Hello and welcome to Come Book Herald Road to Empire Marvel's Avengers and Fantastic Four event of 2020. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com, where you can find reading orders and guides to all of the Marvel Universe and much, much more in comics. Beginning with Marvel Comics number 1000 last year, and more directly with the 2019 incoming number one, Marvel Comics began building to a Cosmic War event, with Empire number one launching in April 2020. The event promises to bring the Avengers and Fantastic Four together against a cosmic Kree and Skrull threat that connects back heavily to Marvel Cosmic stories told since the publisher's earliest days. Today I'll be answering... What comics set the stage for understanding this event, why Marvel's promotional strategy for Empire is so refreshing, expectations and theories for the event. Hey, if you like Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. You can find full Empire event reading orders on comicbookherald.com, and please note, spoilers for the discussed background reading may follow. Before digging into the comics and stories that set up Empire, it's worth calling out a few big differences between Empire and Marvel's last few years of big events. Whereas the likes of War of the Realms and Absolute Carnage, both in 2019, were both very clearly built on the backs of specific creator visions, Jason Aaron on Thor, Donnie Cates Ryan Stegman on Venom, Empire is more indebted to Marvel's history of Kree Skrull storylines. I've thought about it in the approach of a major universe-wide event that doesn't deliberately build out of a particular ongoing series is not a confidence-infusing background. The two least organic event builds of the past decade are 2013's Age of Ultron and 2016's Civil War II, and at my most charitable, the best I can say about the events is that I liked some parts of Age of Ultron. I talked about this a fair amount with War of the Realms, but it really helps to have the goodwill, strategy, and creative vision of a successful series driving to a universe-wide, all-caps, comic book event. Empire is, at least on the surface, forsaking that approach, but with a caveat. On one hand, the creative team of Al Ewing, Dan Slott, and Valerio Shidi do not have an ongoing series between them, and although Slott's near 20 issues on Fantastic Four will begin to tie into Empire in 2020, Ewing's most high-profile work, The Immortal Hulk, is simply not a part of this event pitch. So by traditional measures, Empire is kind of out of the blue. That said, Marvel is quickly attempting to ground the event two ways. The first is through Ewing's work writing potentially related teases in the pages of Marvel Comics number 1000, and then Ewing and Slot's work writing the teaser material in Incoming number 1. More on this in a moment. More clear even is Marvel's promotional effort to tie Empire to some of their Kree vs. Skrull greatest hits. Honestly, I love this approach and find it greatly refreshing. Marvel is leaning into their vast continuity, calling back storylines from 1971, the mid to late 1970s, 1984, 2005, and 2019. For Marvel fans who can't help but dig into the entire decades-long shared universe, it's a suggestion that all that history is building to a payoff. As a writer, Al Ewing has shown a particular knack for weaving deep lore into modern stories as well. While this can be intimidating for newer readers, I actually agree with the instinct that more often than not, passionate new readers will simply seek out explanations for the history they don't know, rather than run away frightened. So without further ado, let's address some of that history that we know will set the stage for Empire, no matter how tangentially it may do so. The first, of course, is the Kree-Skrull War, which occurred in Avengers number 89 to 97. It ain't neat, but Roy Thomas, Neil Adams, and Sal Buscema's work across early 70s Avengers comics stands out as some of the most ambitious multi-part epics from the tail end of Marvel's Silver Age. The details are too numerous to encapsulate without just reading the thing. Uh, memorable moments off the top of my head would be things like Hank Pym getting turned into an ape by Ronan the Accuser. Uh, Neil Adams exploring Vision's insides with, uh, later, Hank Pym as Ant-Man. And Hawkeye running around calling himself Goliath and wearing nothing but thin metal plates over his nips. 
Nonetheless, as you'd expect, the Kree and Skrull are warring and don't much care whether Earth gets in their way. Put on your almost Bronze Age reading lenses, dig into this story that sets the stage for so much of Marvel Cosmic to come, including modern events like Secret Invasion, where writer Brian Michael Bendis called back to the Kree-Skrull War as an inciting moment, an inciting incident in putting Earth and, you know, Marvel's Avengers and heroes on sort of the cosmic map. So that's sort of the build. That's like the most essential uh, storyline really for any Kree scroll related sagas. But then there's the Celestial Madonna saga, which is spread out across a number of years and a number of titles, primarily occurring in the pages of Avengers. Uh, you could do like issues 129 to 135 and giant size Avengers 2 to 4. Don't worry if you're trying to memorize what issues to go read. I've got the reading order linked in the show notes here for all of the Road to Empire. Written by Steve Englehart, the Avengers Celestial Madonna is deliciously overstuffed with complex and convoluted continuity, time travel, and cosmic religion. It's not just complicated for 1975, it'd be complicated for 2975. Honestly, the entire affair is a pretty fair litmus test for comic book readership's appetite for muddled insanity. Up front, I'd like to acknowledge that the Celestial Madonna saga cannot be succinctly summarized, but I'm going to try with the relevant details for Empire. At its core, the saga is all about cosmic prophecy with language mirroring Christian theology. So, in order of operations, number one, this has nothing to do with the actual Celestials, despite the name. In fact, it began about two years before Jack Kirby would create those characters in the pages of Eternals. Number two, the titular Madonna is actually Mantis. Before she was green and known for sailing the spaceways of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Mantis was the mysterious Vietnamese martial artist with the Avengers. Number three, a Cree religious cult known as the Priests of Pama thought Mantis was the Madonna, and that if she mated with the tree-like Kotati, more on them in a second, she'd give birth to a celestial messiah. Despite the fact that it would require mating with the tree, Mantis quite literally does this and ultimately gives birth to the potential Cree messiah named Sequoia. No joke. <laughs> it's a pretty wild story. There's obviously a lot to potentially dig into there. The biggest piece for Empire seems to be the race known as the Kotati. The tree-like alien race is teased in both Incoming Number 1 and the cover to Empire Number 1. If you look at the backdrop, it's all Kotati. So here's a quick primer. The story goes that the peace and plant-like Katadi evolved alongside the Kree on Hala, until the, their home planet, until the Skrulls showed up and offered their technology to whichever race could best prove themselves worthy. Long story short, this led to Kree factions murdering the Katadi and causing them to hide their continued existence, them being the Katadi, from all but pacifistic Kree priests of Pama, lest the Kree turn violent against them again. Okay. <laughs> That's your background for the Gotati race, which, again, we're going to talk about in the context of incoming in just a moment. Other comics you can read, historically, Fantastic Four Annual number 18. This 1984 annual from the midst of John Byrne's acclaimed run on Fantastic Four is notable for a handful of reasons. The wedding of Black Bolt and Medusa, follow-up to the X-Men's Dark Phoenix saga, and the expansion of the Kree warrior Beldon and Skrull warrior Raxor. In a personal favorite, wait, those guys? Lineage? The Kree and Skrull emissaries from Dark Phoenix. So they show up in the Dark Phoenix saga as literal emissaries. They have like very brief appearances saying, you know, hey, the Kree and the Skrull are here to watch this Phoenix and X-Men versus the Shi'ar Empire, if you remember from the Dark Phoenix saga. And they get expanded roles all these years later in a John Byrne written issue and what has proven to be Empire setup. Both these characters play a major role in incoming number one, again, that 2019 tease. The other big connective tissue is Young Avengers, which launched in 2005 and 2006. 
Following the events of Avengers Disassembled, Marvel capitalized on a newfound opening with the Alan Heimberg and Jim Chung-created Young Avengers. While this could have been a throwaway attempt to mimic DC's Teen Titans, the Young Avengers very quickly became a, loved, a beloved unit in their own right with strong regular members like Patriot, Wiccan, Hulkling, Cape Bishop, and Stature. Hulkling is particularly important for Empire, as the character is actually the son of Royal Kree and Skrull Heritage. In Young Avengers' second half, it's revealed that Teddy's given name is Doric VIII, the son of a Skrull princess and possibly Captain Marvell. Oddly enough, from the time during the Kree-Skrull War, when Super Skrull captured him and some Avengers, you know, a classic case of prisoner of war, falls in love with a princess, and quickly has a baby. Intriguingly, like the Celestial Madonna, Hulkling's story is also dictated by cosmic prophecy. In the Al Ewing-written New Avengers, which launched in 2016, it's revealed that the Star Sword, known as Excelsior, Stan Lee's catchphrase, is Teddy's cosmic birthright, and that whoever can wield the sword, in a very on-the-nose sword-in-the-stone parallel, is the rightful heir to the power of Doric Supreme, the first Kree-Skrull hybrid warrior. Since this reveal way back in 2005-06 of Teddy's, you know, Kree-Skrull heritage, it has been sort of in the background of any, you know, Teddy-focused story that his rightful place or his birthright is to lead and potentially bring the Krees and Skrulls together. This is something that he has not given into, and we're going to talk about that because in the pages of Incoming Number 1, that's one of the big hooks here is the idea that Teddy would finally say, Actually, I am going to assume this birthright. What would make him say that, and why would he do that, I think are the interesting questions of Empire. Another good read that is way less uh, directly connected than anything I just mentioned, but is going to play a role, is the Robbie Williams and Nico Henry Khan five-issue miniseries from 2019 called Meet the Skrulls. Think uh, the Americans, or even like Marvel's 2016 vision, for you know a look at the family life of Skrull secret super spies hiding out on Earth. This was one of my favorites of 2019. I think at the midway point, it was like my second favorite comic of the entire year. Um, it's still inside my top 10 of 2019. It's a very good, clean five-issue miniseries, and these characters are going to play a role in, at a minimum, the Road to Empire Kree-Skrull War one-shot that's going to launch as Prelude. So this is recommended reading regardless of relevance, but it seems to be uh, playing a role as well. Okay, so getting all the way to incoming number one, which I reviewed when it came out, the builds to Empire here, the first thing is Raxor and Beldon are uncovered as part of this murder mystery that, and again, you know, spoiler for incoming number one here, part of a murder mystery that the Avengers and, and various heroes, Jessica Jones, Captain Marvel, Blue Marvel, are attempting to solve. They were on Earth, and as it turns out, as they uncovered, they were actually working together. And the one thing that Raxor and Beldon seemingly have discovered is a ominous clue that quite clearly points to the Kotati, which is beware the trees. Again, the Kotati being this plant-like alien race. They are saying something about the fact that the Kotati pose a threat now to perhaps Kree and Skrull ways of life. <laughs> Related here at the very end of Incoming Number 1, we also have Teddy assuming his role as the leader of Kree and Skrull. He says, my people, you are Kree and you are Skrull, orphans of Skrullos, orphans of Hala. Remember, both Kree and Skrull have essentially, over the past, you know, modern Marvel cosmic 
um, landscape, starting with, let's say, like Annihilation in 2005, 2006. They've lost their homeworlds. They've lost people. You know, the, like, the cosmic landscape is not an easy one to navigate, and these giant empires are definitely weakened compared to what they have potentially been throughout Marvel history. Something has brought Teddy and Excelsior, wielding this, you know, again, magic sword that that is his birthright, um, has brought him to this planet. And I think one question is why? Why would Teddy, after all these years, go and assume his his royal leadership? Well, the Teddy reveal has led to much theorizing, uh, most of it quite bad, honestly. Now, on the surface, Teddy claiming his royal lineage, holding up a giant sword, and seemingly directing a fleet of combined scrolls and Kree toward Earth, it looks bad. That said, it makes almost no sense that Teddy would so suddenly turn on Earth. Last we saw him, he was quite happily in a relationship with Billy Kaplan, a.k.a. Wiccan, in the pages of Death's Head Number no. 2, 2019 four-issue miniseries written by Teeny Howard um, that I think largely went under the radar. This thread is followed through and incoming. There's not some major break that happens between the two. They are quite clearly still together. And it would suggest Teddy's, you know, the, there's no reason to believe he would be out for revenge or anything of that nature. And also, I have to say, I, I think L. Dance lot and, and the creative teams involved here are too smart to have one of of Marvel's you know so few openly gay characters uh, strike out as a villain for you know small reasons. Let's say I think that's a really bad look that they're much too smart to play with. As a result, I actually think it's more likely Teddy is driving to scrawl and Kree Armadas to Earth's heroes for help rather than any attempted conquest you know big picture we also have earth coming off the war of the realms invasion in 2019 so a kree scrawl attack feels not only duplicative but smaller in scope it just doesn't make sense plus let's consider al ewing launching guardians of the galaxy number one this week as i'm recording this road to empire it makes sense he'd want to begin building a cause excuse me, a cosmic stage for that run. And one thing he's proven across excellent work like Ultimates and, of course, Immortal Hulk is Ewing plays with huge cosmic concepts. I think something as simple and straightforward as a Kree, verse, a Kree and Skrull combined army invading Earth, that's too simple. <laughs> that is much too simple. And it's been done, like we talked about, Kree Scroll War in the early 70s, even an event like um, early 90s Avengers uh, Operation Galactic Storm, which is a Kree Shi'ar War. You know, these things have been played out. I think if you're going to do something like this, it's got to be bigger. It's going to be more expansive. I expect, like, all the wild cosmic players that Ewing has, has loved to play with, and Dan Slott has shown he loves to play with in the pages of Silver Surfer, people like the Never Queen and the Elders of the Universe, I think they're going to be getting involved in something where the Kotati are a sort of mysterious and, and potential new threat to the Marvel cosmic landscape that could be very, very interesting. So I'm tentatively excited about this event, despite the unique approach. I'm curious what you all think. Um, if you think there are other issues and stories that should be read here as well, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it offhand, but I, I would also recommend here um, New Avengers, written by Al Ewing, where he has Wiccan and Hulkling as members of that Avengers squad, I think is likely going to be somewhat relevant build here. And then, of course, Dan Slott writing his ongoing Fantastic Four is going to be uh, relevant as that series continues into 2020 and up to Empire as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, I look forward to your feedback, and I will just finally sign off and say, enjoy the comics.